0: Welcome back to Three Point Firefighter, podcast where I have conversations with firefighters all around the country on all things fire service related, especially those three things that I think are the foundation for any good firefighter, pride, training, and physical fitness. Today I have a special shout out for my listeners in Atlanta, Georgia. If you work for the fire department there, shoot me an email, I would love to talk to you. I'll have my info down in the description. Also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Three Point Firefighter. So today's guest is Lieutenant Josh Chase. He works for Norfolk Fire, and he's a 15-year veteran of the fire service. He clearly has a passion for leadership and strengthening of firefighters to lead at the informal level. Now, Josh is also the recipient of the Fire Service Medal of Honor. And during his military career in the Army, he was awarded multiple medals for his service, including the Army Air Medal for Meritorious Service during air combat operations. And if that wasn't enough, Josh has written several books. Now, his latest is called Jump Seat Leadership, and it's a fantastic read. Now, I hope you enjoy this podcast, and with that, Joshua Chase. All right, brother Josh Chase, good to have you on the podcast. Uh... Let me ask you something real quick. First and foremost, what are you drinking?
1: I am drinking Buffalo Trace. It's good old tried and true. Uh, pretty popular in the area, but you can't get it everywhere. So it's kind of nice to have it.
0: I actually used to live across the street from Buffalo Trace Distillery.
1: Get out of here.
0: I would not lie to you this early in the podcast.
1: Oh, well, so we'll wait till about 20 minutes to do that. Oh, yeah. Don't make all kinds of shit up. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's made in Frankfort, Kentucky. And that's where I was born. So, yeah, yeah. I lived right across the street from it. It used to be uh, before that. It was a different distillery. I can't remember right now, but it's Buffalo Trace. Now I'm having one of my fancy Garden beers. It's a Belgian Belgian wheat beer. It's good beer. So, cheers to you, brother.
1: Cheers, absolutely.
0: So we talked a little bit before all the computer stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. About how
0: much I enjoyed your book. I really, truly enjoyed your book. Um, jump seat leadership. Uh, before we get into that. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about... Now, we had a surgery on, but still, tell me a little bit about your department and where you fit in in that department.
1: Okay, yeah, sure. So, uh, I joined Norfolk Fire Rescue with, back in 2005. Uh, I was kind of prior military in a mix of getting in and out of the military at that point. So, um, 14 stations, and we're a career combination department. So, we do fire and EMS. So, we do, um, like I said, fire and EMS. So, I've ridden my amb- ridden the ambulance probably... The last 14 out of 15 years of my career. And then uh, you ride the fire trucks the other. T- so the way it works is you ride 12 and 12. Um, I'm sure that most of you guys are familiar with that. So, Wait, 12,
0: you like 12 hours? First
1: yeah. 12 so years? we're out first 12 hours on an ambulance, second 12 hours on a fire truck, or vice versa.
0: Okay. So,
1: yeah. So um, yeah, we're all cross trained. So we all ride the box and we all ride the fire trucks. Uh, the only time you don't ride the box is if for some reason there's enough people you'll be on the engine or the ladder for uh, 24 hours or you get promoted to officer and you are not required to be in the medic rotation anymore.
0: So, uh, so there's some uh, initiative to be uh, an officer.
1: Yes. Um, I have mixed feelings on that reason, but, uh, we could talk about that.
0: <laughs> Shoot. We can talk about whatever we want. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, so, um, no, it's been a good career. I mean, I, uh, Man, I joined the department to help people, and uh I mean, that's initially what we do and uh I mean, every department has their good stuff and their bad stuff, and I think um, I've chosen to pick something that you know we can improve on instead of one of the things I write about about in my book is solutions, not problems right and um, yeah, so I can complain with the best of them. I think we all get around the galley table, and man, we'll get going
0: oh, but, absolutely. Uh, I've said that myself too that. Uh, I've had a lot. I in. I'm in that administration. I'm the training chief. So I'm part of certain uh, conversations and things. And I hear a lot of complaining, a lot of whining and bitching, but zero solutions. You know, so I think that's, you know, me personally, I'm more likely to listen to somebody bitch if they say, how about we try this? You know, right. But somebody comes up and just says, oh, I hate that. I hate that SCBA training you do. I hate it. Okay, what else can we do? Uh, I don't know. It's just stupid
1: right which I usually dismiss those find. people what's that I said which is typically what you'll find they do really anything they just want to complain
0: so and that's one of the things I wrote down you already stole one of my notes back there thanks right off the bat oh, I was going to no come problem. Into that. <laughs> tell me this tell me how you came to write this book and and get it out there
1: okay yeah sure so um I'm a writer. I've been writing for a couple of years, and I just believe in sharing, sharing my life experiences with other people. And uh, I mean, the fire department's been a huge part of my life. I, I joke and say I grew up in the fire service, but I jumped in the fire service in my early 20s, and you know I'm almost 39 now. So I feel like I did grow up in the fire service. And um, a lot of my buddies, they took exams early on, got promoted uh, to lieutenant captain. I got buddies that are chiefs. Uh, I took an exam at four or five years just to take it because I was eligible. Uh, Definitely not ready in any capacity to be a lieutenant um, for me at four and five years. Uh, Maybe some of you are, but I wasn't. So the book, man, I watched my guys get promoted left and right, went through some personal stuff and saw myself at like 10, 12 years in the department. And I was like, man, I'm not a lieutenant. You know, I'm not an officer. Uh, Jared got promoted uh, probably like six, seven years. I'm watching other people get promoted, but I started to pick up this principle learned on the military, it was just informal leadership. And it wasn't just me picking it up. You know, it was the captain that I worked for and other guys around me were like, Hey man, you're a good informal leader. And, um, it was something that just kind of transferred over. So I kind of, I just had to be okay with not being an officer. I had to be okay with not being an officer and be okay with leading my crew. Um, you know, like the book says from the jump seat, leading the crew from the back of the engine. Right. And, you know, that didn't mean, um, trumping my officers' decisions. It didn't mean stepping on them. It didn't mean creating a coup. It meant like uh I was I wanted to be the go-to guy. I wanted to be the guy that he came to in the station and said, Hey Josh, I got a problem. Can you fix it? Right. Or the guy that he was like, uh, what's the pulse of the station? Like, what can you do for me? So man, that's I lived it, you know. So I lived this this life of informal leadership really up until the point where I was like, I was kind of at a crossroads. I was at about probably 13 years in my career, maybe 14. it's all mixed up with the, our, our promotional process is kind of long. So probably 13, 14 years. And I was like, what am I doing? Am I going to stay at the informal level or am I going to move up? I feel like I have something to contribute. Um, but I was looking around a lot of young guys were coming in. A lot of older guys were retiring. And it really honestly took a senior guy to pull me aside and just, he kind of called me out. We got into it in the galley one day. We're face-to-face in the galley. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that in the firehouse. No! Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it all started over, you know, cooking and and that kind of stuff. Next thing you know, it was, I've been fighting fire since you've been in diapers. And, uh, you know, and I told him to stop acting crazy and that never works. It doesn't work with your wife and it doesn't work with us. Uh, <laughs> senior (laughs) fireman either. So, uh, long story short, you know, we squashed it and he looked at me and he said, I just need you to take the next step. You're wasting time. You know, you're, you're a great leader and you're walking around this firehouse and you're just, you're going to get stuck. And, uh, I didn't have anything to challenge that. Um, I was kind of irritated that he called me out and I had had nothing to say. I'm I'm one of those guys that I always got something to say. And, uh, he called me out and, um, So I started, I was like, well, I'm going to write this book about, um, you know, leadership and how I just, I had to lead at the informal level. I didn't have a choice. I wasn't an officer. I I wasn't taking a promotional exam. And I had guys around me that were either younger, uh, that were coming in the department, didn't know anything, or I had guys around me that were, you know, maybe came in when I did, but worked at slower stations, or maybe they just weren't leaders and maybe they just needed to be led. Um, And not everybody wants to be led, but I was like, well, I just got to do this and see where it goes. So in doing that, I decided, okay, well, I don't want to write a book about being an officer. You know, last January I got promoted and I was like, I I wouldn't even feel right about writing a book about being an officer. I'd been an officer for a year, you know, at this point. But I was like, what I can write about is my, my 15 year career of being a firefighter at the informal level and what it looked like and things that guys showed me, you know, guys showed me certain things. Um, like I said, it was a senior guy that finally convinced me to get serious about the promotional exam and take it.
0: Right. And
1: um, I'm learning from the guys above me now. I got a I got a 38 year captain that I work for. I mean, which is great. I pick his brain, you know, on a daily basis. But I'm looking at the young guys coming in under me now, and I was like, uh, What would I offer them? What could I tell them about being a firefighter? And uh, I still see myself as a fireman. I don't run around telling people like, Oh, I'm a fire lieutenant. Right. You know, that's that's the not the. That's probably the most uncommon thing you'll hear me say uh, when I'm talking to a crowd of people. If it comes up, yeah, sure. I'll, I, may, I may reference my crew or my guys, and if people are paying attention, they'll ask. But, I mean, I, I took a job. You know, I took a position, but I believe I was leading before that. And I just I want to encourage other people to do that. Um, we had a little conversation earlier today through Facebook. Like, I, I don't think everybody is a leader, right. but I do think everybody can lead. And I think they can uh, develop leadership qualities and abilities and, and the fire service will be better for it. So I wrote it down, sat on it for about six months, sent it to Jared Sergi. He got me about six months later and was like, what the hell are you doing with this book? And I was like, sitting on it. And he was like, I need it. The fire service needs it. And I don't really understand what you're doing. So I got with my editor made the cover threw her back all together in about two months and uh that was it is it was out is off to the races and uh, i'm just glad to see people are enjoying it
0: oh heck yeah it's a really really good book uh before jared got a hold of me uh i had been seeing for some reason i got to see something about eleven thousand times before i read it buy it or listen mm-hmm. to it and i i saw you know jump seat leadership and then jared got a hold of me and uh <clears throat> i kind of i really wanted to talk to you And then after I read the book, I was like, I really want to talk to this guy because, I mean, there's just so many good nuggets in this book. And you're coming from a place where uh, what started me down this path of doing a podcast and everything else was I'm I'm a student of leadership. I've probably failed more times than I've succeeded, but I love the idea of leadership. And to your point, you don't have to have, uh, you even say, um, you don't need a single bugle to lead, right? So- I started reading some books, and there's some books out there that that are good and great and decent, but I was getting confused because everybody had a different take on it, and yep. it was pretty uh, self-involved, too, from some of the ones I was reading, so I read what I could, and I kind of distilled everything down to uh, an article, but it's about three things that make a good leader at the very bottom foundation level. You can have all kinds of stuff. You can talk about Theory X and Theory Z and all that stuff. Right. But I came up with pride, training, and physical fitness. If you lead by doing those three things, then I think you've got the foundation to be a good leader, and that's transferred over into my podcast, Three Point Firefighter, which is pride, training, and physical fitness. So when I read your book, I really enjoyed how you distilled down uh, leadership, and I like how you did it from your point of view and your experiences, and it it was just an excellent book. I love that book. Um, but you know, you bring, not, not, but, but, and you bring up a couple of things about informal leader being, you know, the jump seat leader. What do you think are the negatives to being that jump seat leader or trying to be that jump seat leader?
1: Oh man. So, uh, I, like I said, I speak from experience and I think, uh, there are some, I will say there's more positives than negatives, but negatives they're out there. They happen. Um. You know, the fire department, depending on what crew you're with, you know, it's pretty tight knit crew and depending on whether the guys like or dislike the officer, because that happens, um, you know, and then your teacher's pet, you know, not everybody understands the, the informal leadership game or the art of informal leadership. It's not about being the teacher's pet. It's about being the go-to guy and the guy that's willing to take on responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say one of the negatives is people don't understand. And I think some people are threatened by it. Um, especially officers, you know, there are some officers out there who are threatened by informal leadership. And, and one of the things I want for my guys that I encourage them now that I am an officer all the time is like, listen, I need you to talk to me. Yes, I'm in charge. But to me, that means I work for you. So if you need something, I get paid to take care of it. That's, that's literally what they pay me to do. So the negative things were when I was, you know, I would say in that informal leadership era was people are threatened by it and it's not personal. You know, I'm trying to help. And right. uh, now I, I think anybody that you talk to that knows me for any length of time is like, I don't always have a helpful tone. I'm pretty <laughs> straight, pretty straightforward. I kind of call it like it is. And I've ended up myself in an office more than once with, uh, you can't say that here and you can't say it to me. And, uh, you know, sometimes I've apologized and sometimes it's taken me, you know, a year or two to apologize. Um, but the negative aspects are there are some officers that see it as a threat. Right. Uh, The guys in your station, um, just because Oh, I hate saying this because it always causes an argument, but I'm gonna say it anyway, because I don't mind an argument just because you're senior. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, And I write about that in the book, just because you have 20 years in the fire service. Look, there are guys that have done 20 years in the fire service and done nothing. And this is not personal. It's just a fact. And, you know, if if I came to your station and you're threatened because I had five years on the job, but I want to learn to be a leader and help my officer. And you're threatened because you're senior. Work with me. Right. You know, d- don't be threatened because there's a new guy here. Maybe check your insecurity and figure out why is this new five year guy irritating the shit out of you every day. Um, maybe it's what you saw for yourself, you know, fifteen years ago, and you didn't step into it. And that is one thing I write about, like, you can step into this at any moment. And I think for a senior guy, it's even more powerful for you to step in that role. But officers, um, they see it as a negative sometimes. The senior guys can see it as a negative. And there's just the people, I'll call them the floaters. You know, they're in the fire service. I'll call them employees of the fire department.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they're not leading and they're not following. So I'm always kind of questioning, like, well, what, what are you doing while you're here? Um, either, either you're working to be a leader uh, learning some leadership skills because maybe you're not a leader or you're looking for a leader to follow. But if you're just kind of floating around with no vision, no goals, um, you know, I don't, I don't really know where you're going. Right. So those are really my two big negatives, uh, I would say for informal leadership are the officers feel threatened. Mm-hmm. And for me as an officer now, I love when my guys come to me and they're like, hey, Lou, this is what I think. And I'm like, great, uh, let's put it together. And I'll hand it back to them and let them do it. So they're kind of looking at me like, uh, do, what, you want me to do this? Like, you brought it to me. I trust you. Let's get it done. Right. You know, if, if if you go 90% of the way and you need 10, I'm here. If you need me to do it hundred percent, I'll do it. But if it's your idea, I want to empower you to actually do it. So, I mean, I would encourage everybody, like if you're an officer and you're listening to this and your guys are stepping up and trying to help you lead, you know, if you're feeling threatened, it's worth your time to ask out why you feel threatened. You know, why do you feel threatened by that individual pull them into the office? Like, Hey, um, and now I will say this, it may be to stage a coup. You know, I've, uh, I've worked for officers where I'm like, I can't freaking stand this guy, right. you know, and, uh, I've, I've been in the military and I've been in the fire department. So I'm going to throw that in there just so there aren't officers watching this going, I wonder if he's talking about me because I've had poor leaders all over the place. Right. Um, but there have been leaders where I'm like, I can't stand this guy. And I'll, I'll tell a quick story about the military that, uh, that applies to leadership. We had a, a platoon commander who was above our platoon interview us about our platoon Sergeant, who was our direct supervisor. And when he met with each one of us as individuals, we all told him what we wanted was for him to fire the leader. That's, that's pretty bold. Uh, you That's know, straight and, out of band of brothers. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we wa- watched it. You know I don't think? We watched it for inspiration, but we were like, we're deployed. And this guy was a, I don't have a better word for it. He was a horrific leader. He was in the position. He got promoted. Um, and he was there. He was in charge of leading us, but he wasn't leading. And, right. um, you know, needless to say, if you know anything about the military, that guy did not get fired. Um, He continued to be our platoon sergeant and, um, you know, we we checked our attitudes, I would say daily because we had to. Um, I wouldn't say we handled it the best way. So, like I said, there are some uh, I haven't done it all right, (laughs) you know, and and I want to be honest about that. I don't want to sit here and say like, oh, yeah, you could be an informal leader. I've done it right my whole life, my whole career. Uh, It's not true. It's a lie. But yeah, the two negative things, honestly, are officers seeing it as as a threat. And um, the other one is a senior guys looking at you like, who the hell does this guy think he is? And, and Jake, I'm like you, I'm a student of leadership. You know, I'm not an expert. I didn't write a book because of an expert. Right. I wrote a book because I'm a student and I'm learning. And those are my life experiences, lessons that I've learned. So I feel foolish to not pass them down to the next generation of firefighters that's looking for help right now. Right. You know, not because I'm the expert. I'm a student. And there's other students. And if I can pass information, I'm like, let's do it.
0: Well, that's the thing too, about anytime you put out, uh, books or, uh, or we do the podcast or writing articles, whatever, there is a, the the perception that you must think, you know, everything. And that's not the case. The case is I know some and I'm sharing it, you know, right. and I'm hoping, hoping to learn more, you know, and I think that's why we put that stuff out. And I got to tell you, um, so let me back up a little bit. So one of my favorite things that I've learned about doing, a doing this podcast and then also uh, my second job traveling around the country teaching fire stuff is some of the heavy hitters, some of the big guys, you know, you're now one of those people, you're, you're Norfolk fire leadership, you know, writing a book and stuff. It wrote, wrote several books actually, but is the humility and the honesty that People like you have, you, Mark Alone, Sergi, Snodgrass, uh, I could name quite a few, that they're just honest. They're honest about their failures, so you believe more of their success. So, like, you write about, um, you said uh, you write your chapter about maturity. You're like, hey, I'm 37, (laughs) you know, I'm not the most mature person in the world. Right. You know, you're being honest. And then uh, you also wrote about you having that I just work here mentality. Oh, man. And that, that lends more credence to what you're saying in your book, right. because you're not saying by any means, I'm the best and I'm, you know, follow my footsteps because they're perfect. You're saying avoid these landmines because these are mistakes I've made,
1: you know? Yeah. And they're, they're exactly what you just said. They're landmines. Yeah. I mean, Everyone that has is I not have to make the same mistake twice. Yeah. No. I mean, the, I just work here mentality. That is a freaking landmine if I've ever heard one, you know, for you, the people around you and, you know, the fire service as a whole you know, it, I, Norfolk has this long, uh, tradition, you know, it, it's a, it's an old department. Uh, there's a lot of pride. Um, very professional. I would say, as far as, you know, we go way back, we've done this, we do this, but I'm like, look, we can, we can have done whatever, but if we're not doing now, that doesn't mean shit anymore. Right. You know, it's like, you can't always work off the merit of people. If you're not willing to do any more work, you know, the merit only gets you so far, you know, um, people are going to start to call you out and not even call you out. You're going to see it on scene when you get in a building and you look next to you and the guy's gone because you ran back out to the front yard. Right. That happened, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, that I don't work here mentality, man, that screws everybody. And I've done it. working for poor officers and being frustrated, going to work. Like, Oh my God, what this guy's asking us to do what? Like, you know what? I'm going to come to work. I'm going to cook. I'm going to make fajitas. The guys like fajitas. And then mm-hmm. after after dinner, I'm gonna drink coffee, and I'm gonna sit on the front of the engine, and I'm gonna walk, watch the officer walk by, and just shake my head. You know, I just work here, and right. uh, man, I I went, I was probably a little bit of a rut there for for a year or two, and thank God for guys like Sergi, you know, that are just motivated, and I think they sleep, eat, breathe fire. Um, his wife swears yeah. he doesn't. She swears like he's a great husband and great father, but I'm like, I think you're paying her to say that. So. <laughs> It's, you know, it's,
0: and the thing about it is, too, another thing that I'm learning, you know, late in my career, to be honest with you, is how easy it is to be a good firefighter or a good leader or good anything. And it doesn't take eight hours a day. You can put in a little bit of effort, but just do it every day and you're going to start getting better and better. It's kind of a snowball effect. You know, you could, if I had to recommend something to somebody that's been, well, I mean, I kind of call them city employees. They're not firefighters or city employees. They, they wear our right. uniforms. They ride the trucks, but they're not firing. And they don't give a shit about yeah. fire
1: service. Uh, big amen.
0: But, yeah. But so when they've been on there for eight years or so and they've dug their hole of being a lazy piece of shit, how do they get out of it? And I've recommended the simplest thing. Just pick an article, one article a day and just read an article. I don't care if it's about leadership or extrication. And then after a while, maybe, you know, read a few more a day and maybe get out there and mess around with your truck. Find, try to find something on your truck that you don't know anything about. And that's not too hard sometimes, especially if you're in a truck company. Like we have a a, a two, two truck, like our truck company also runs the rescue. So it's split up. So there's always stuff you could learn. You know, right. nobody in that firehouse knows everything. But that's always my recommendation. But, uh, you know, I just see those people. And, I, and like you, I was in a rut for a couple of years, a year, year or two where I was just a big old lazy piece of shit. You know, right. I didn't like coming to work. Didn't like. I, mean, I love being a fireman, but I, I would only work if you called me to go to a fire. That's the only time I'd give you really any effort. You know, I'd sit right. on the couch and stuff like that. You really got to snap yourself out of that and realize that it's not about your paycheck and it's not about your cool t-shirt or you get to, you know, you get 10 days off a month or whatever. It's that there's people that are in their house and they think that if it catches fire or somebody, you know, granny has a heart attack, you're not only going to show up, but you're going to be A+. Plus.
1: Oh, man. Right? You know, and that's, it's funny you say that because, man, that's not true. It's and, not true. And, and and it's sad because, you know, here we are, you know, um, you watch TV, you watch these shows. I mean, every fireman's in shape. Every Every episode <laughs> is, every episode is like flashover. Every episode they rescue somebody. This is freaking A team, bro. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, so, but in reality, I mean, how many times have you sat on a fire truck? And like you said, we've all, we all have our faults, but how many times have you sat on a fire truck, looked next to you and gone, well, shit, I'm on my own today. I know for a fact this guy's not going to do anything, you know? And uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I've always hoped that nobody's looked at the other side of the fire truck at me and thought that. Right. Um, but, but like you, um, you know, when it comes to the scene, I'm like, I've always done my job. You know, I've always done my job on scene. I've always shown up. I've always come, but around the station. Uh, yeah. I, I probably also could have, could have picked up some stuff and, and done a couple more things, but yeah, as far as the job goes, the public really is counting on us because there is this public perception of these guys are freaking amazing. Right. So when that house is on fire at, you know, five in the morning uh, you're expected to perform, you know, there's, and this is why, uh, like you said, employees of the fire service or city employees, look, there ain't nothing personal here, dude. Like, I, I like you may be a great father, great, great wife, great husband. You know, um, I know some people that you know make a mean batch of cookies, but they don't belong in the fire service. You know, <laughs> it, it, it is what it is, and it's nothing personal. You have to be able to perform and do the job you took an oath to do. And like you said, if you're in a rut. You don't only owe it to yourself to get out of it. Somebody handed you a badge when you graduated the Academy that said, Hey, I'm going to do this. This is not a job. This is a profession. Right. And I think we forget that like a job. I can go to Chick-fil-A and get a job right now and say my pleasure for $15 an hour. I think that's what it is right now.
0: <laughs> it's um, about to be, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's about to be, but you know, this is not just a job. And that's one thing that I learned early on. And, uh, I'm still racking my brain over this. I don't know if you can teach some of this. You know, I don't know if you can teach, uh, man, I want to be here. I genuinely grew up and I wanted to help people. The fire service is where I chose to do it. The military is where I chose to do it. I genuinely wanted to help people. And uh, man, it's not a freaking job. It's a career of a lifetime. It's a profession. You come into this, there's culture, there's traditions. And a lot of people these days are scoffing their, you know, their face at it and looking at us like, man, you guys are freaking nuts. And I'm yeah. like, no, I want to, I want to go home in the morning, and I want to make sure you go home in the morning. And right. now I'm in charge of making sure you go home in the morning. So I'd like for you to kind of lead yourself because as a leader, I need a team, and I keep my head on a swivel, but I'm not going to see everything, which is which is why informal leadership is so important because we all took the same oath when we came in. Yeah, when I swore in as a lieutenant. They made me say different things, but it was on the backbone of the oath that I already took when I got hired. Yeah. So, you know, it's a uh, man. I can't I couldn't say enough about that. I'll get spun up. I mean, just thinking about guys that are here and, and girls that are here, too. It's not just guys. Um, we got guys and girls now that uh, look, I love you. But it it's it's time to ask yourself some questions. Is this is this the career for you? And it may not be. And that is OK. That's OK. Because you're saving yourself. You're saving your family. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to teach Academy a few years ago mm-hmm. and I and I had a guy, great guy, but every time you put on fire gear, for some reason mentally, he couldn't perform. PT stud without fire gear, fire gear on, couldn't couldn't take it. I have no right. idea what was wrong with him. And I finally went up to him one day and I was like, dude, listen, you're gonna get yourself killed or you're gonna get somebody else hurt. I don't have the authority to fire you, but I need you to be honest with yourself. And uh, he ended up not coming back, you know, after after a couple of days and thinking. But I have a lot of respect for that guy. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for resigning and saying, hey, it's not for me. Something I thought I wanted to do, but it's important enough to me. And I have enough respect for the men and women that have come before me to not take this job because uh, I could get somebody hurt or killed, including myself.
0: I always feel bad for like fighter pilots, astronauts and doctors because they couldn't get on the fire department. So they had to settle for their jobs. It's a great job. It's a wonderful Dude, job. I mean, but it's not for everybody. Job. It's really not right. for everybody, you know, and I think and, and we could go down this path for hours, but I think your hiring practices are indicative of the type of department you want to have. So yes. I got to admit, our hiring practice where I'm at are probably less than spectacular. And it can't like you, people can get through that maybe shouldn't be on the job. Right. You know, But I've also seen people on my job that are political hires that are some of the best firemen I've ever seen. You right. know, so you're rolling the dice. But I truly believe you should have, you know, uh, it should be tough to get on our department. <laughs> my uh, deputy chief of personnel, he always says people should be able to apply for the fire department when they're 12 years old and then they can't get hired until they're 21. And if they come back every year and put an application, those are the people we hire when they're 21 because they obviously want this job.
1: I mean, that's uh that's solid. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, so I just want to see some reasons why you want to be a fireman. I mean, we could just do that. Right. And uh, you give me a good reason. I did some, uh, I sat for an interview panel last year for people that wanted the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to give you some really surprising answers. One of the main questions was, so why do you want to be a firefighter with Norfolk Fire Rescue? And I'm, I'm interested. Like, why do these guys want to be firefighters? Men and women, they're sitting here. They've applied for this job. People are telling me things like, well, I want to make some cash. I'm like, (laughs) okay, listen to me. One, I can't believe you said that in an interview. Uh, Two, you can make cash anywhere. And three, this isn't the job to make cash. I don't get paid a whole lot of money. And I never have. And honestly, if we did, I think we'd have the right, wrong kind of people in the profession. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so when people are like, well, you got, you know, I think they should get paid more money. Uh, I'm up and down. Who doesn't want an extra paycheck? But I think it also eliminates uh, some of the people that shouldn't be here. And you know what? Your department's probably the same as mine. You know, everybody says if I were the chief, um, but our hiring practices, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with all of them. Um, I got to work with them. And I think that's uh, why it is so important to, you know, teach people like, okay, you're here. You're here, whether you want to be here. I don't know how you got here. Maybe you shouldn't be here. At this point, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, you're here. And I think I, I did touch on that in my book. I'm like, you're here. And while you're here, I need you to freaking be here.
0: Right.
1: Um, I need your mind to be here. I need your body to be here. I need you to be here physically and mentally sound to do this job. Um, you took that oath. I didn't take it for you. So, And uh, you can ask my guys at the station. Three words I say all the time. Do your job that is literally all i want you to do when i got promoted i was like oh i'm going to come up with this sweet email quote to put at the bottom of my email like when i send it out you know put it in
0: latin right and i'm like yeah
1: like veritas i don't even know what any of that means you know but uh so i'm like yeah i'm like looking for stuff and then i'm like well should i got to memorize it if i'm going to put it down there and i was like all the quotes i have i'm like i can't memorize all this and then people are going to ask me what it means and i was like what am i about you know and i was like uh I just want people to do their job. I feel like it's really simple. Just do your job. So I'm not a uh, Bill Belichick fan, but he's the one that said it. And I put Mm -hmm. a little, you know, so that that's in my email, you know, but it's, it's simple. I'm like, uh, guys are like, well, Hey, Lieutenant, what do you expect from me today? I'm like, Oh, I'm really going to surprise you with these three words. (laughs) I want you to do your job today. And if you got a question on how to do it, I'm here. And so are all these other guys, but it's simple. You get paid to do a job. We train you to do a job, and I'll continue to train you to do the job. Just freaking do it. Right. I don't think it's that hard. It's pretty simple.
0: Well, the uh, I told you about my deputy chief of personnel and how he said, you know, apply when you're 12 and every year after that. that he, he's he got a right. bunch of gems. And when he was a captain, his thing was, and he was serious when he'd say this, you, you'd kind of ask, like, I was a floater. I wasn't really assigned to him, but I, stood, I worked with him quite a bit. And when I'd go over there, he had the simplest thing. He'd say, don't make me be a captain today. You
1: know, oh, I love he, it, man.
0: He, he meant just, Hey, you know, your job, clean the sugars, right. get on the truck, train a little bit, take care of yourself. I, you know, don't make me be a captain. I don't want to write you up today. Right. And then, you know, and i always thought, he's always got these nuggets too. So he's, there's tons of those things. He's a big old country boy and he's just simple to the point.
1: Right. But And that I'll tell you what, you mentioned that guy, the captain. Um, so me and Jared, we just happened to work for the same captain. We spent about six years together at the same firehouse and uh, I will say this for, let, let's pretend you're listening to this and you're in a rut or you're a guy that you're like, man, they just called me an employee of the fire service. I'm that guy. Like, what do I do? Get around people that love the fire department, get around people that love the job. You know, you don't have to be that person, but man, when I first got in here, I didn't know anything about this job. I walked straight out of the military, straight out of a military deployment, you know, from getting shot at three months ago to the fire service. I didn't know anything, right. but- man, the captain that I worked for was the kind of captain that was grew up, um, around firehouses back home in Pennsylvania, he was 16 years old, hanging out at the firehouse. You know, that's the kind of guy that I worked for and he knew everything about everything. You know, um, the crew that I worked with was young and motivated. We all had like a couple years on the job and we were like, man, we just want to soak this in and learn it. And so I didn't grow up saying like, oh, I want to be a firefighter. I wanted to help people, you know, and eventually the fire service is where I chose to do it, but I got around these guys, man, it was infectious. It I'm is, like, man. A good, yeah, a good attitude is just as infectious as, oh. infectious as a bad attitude. I mean, back at station two, when I was there, we're riding the ambulance. I'm riding, riding 13 calls a day uh, just during the daytime in my 12 hour shift on an ambulance and then jumping on the engine at night, running another 10 or 12 calls and the 24 hour shift. You're talking about, you know, 20 to 22 calls. And I'm like, I freaking love this stuff. Right. You know, but, you know, I, I don't know that I'd say that now because I don't know who likes not sleeping. Um, but you know, but these guys kept me so freaking motivated, you know, it wasn't even funny. And uh, you know, to the point where my wife at the time was like, Uh, I swear you love the fire department more than you love me. Um, you know, and that might have been true for a little while, you know. Um, you never uh, admit that, yeah, you know, not uh. Not not a super healthy way if you want to stay married to live. Uh but that's that's how much I really I really did love this job, man. We And you around. also wrote a book
0: about marriage too, right?
1: I did, man. <laughs> I've been through some stuff. I mean yeah Have you said that. <laughs> I, yeah, I should do like thirty two different podcasts and I, you know, but uh Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I've been through the ringer and you know how it is, you can only keep your personal life out of the firehouse uh so long. Yeah. Um but yeah, so yeah, so it it is what it is, you know. But she she's made those comments in the past, and um, but you know you got to find some balance, and I and I found some balance with the crew that I worked with, and uh, I wrote a recent article just about my first crew really taught me about the job and how to be a firefighter. I mean, I learned everything from that crew. You know, I attribute everything to that captain, to be completely honest. Um, man, one of the best leaders I've ever worked for in my life, and he he wouldn't tell you that. You know, to him, he was coming to work every day, working with a knucklehead crew and just making sure they went home.
0: Right. Because uh, if you work for a guy that tells you how good they are, then you, the chances are you're not learning a whole lot. I've always heard uh, if you're good. what is, Let me see. If you're good, you tell people. If you're great, people tell you.
1: Right. Yeah. And he'd be mad if he heard me say that just then. He'd be like, well, why'd you say that? You know, that's just the kind of guy that I worked for. And uh, was well, that
0: the same guy that Jared wrote in his book?
1: Probably. Yeah, probably, and uh, I mean, look, people still give us a hard time. I mean, um, we were a bunch of young, uh, quote unquote, arrogant assholes back then, and uh, you know, but we we did our job. We did our job. We knew our job when we showed up on scene. Man, nobody was complaining because they knew Engine Two was there and they were going to get the job done. Now, right. I write about this in my book a little bit. Uh, we told everybody we were going to get the job done. And we just, <laughs> you know, it was like, hey, we're here. The heroes have arrived, and uh, so everybody can step aside. Our, our joke used to be, engine two's scene; everybody else can clear. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was all in good fun. We, we pushed a lot of buttons back then, but I, I can say this with all confidence. We pushed a lot of buttons, but we backed up everything that we said. Right. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say we were the Conor McGregor's of the fire service. Back then. <laughs> so Conor McGregor like two years ago
0: yeah I worked with a, a truck company in the same house I was on the engine and uh, they ended up getting the nickname seal team six it, to make fun of them people were right. saying that to make fun of them because they were just the same way they're they were solid they told you they were solid and they delivered well they oh, just yeah. kind of incorporated it start calling themselves Se- Seal team six you know whether people were making fun or not they're like hey we we do our fucking job we do it well
1: <laughs> right right you know we showed anything. up we showed up this is how bad it was we showed up at a Halloween party dressed as ourselves. <laughs> so they're like they're like what is wrong with you guys oh. so did you guys really we all just wore matching clothes and they were like what is it we're like we're arrogant assholes and uh so uh, i'll get you i'll get you a picture here someday but uh no it's a we real really thing really grow up on my social media. that's awesome uh, oh yeah, yeah it's great.
0: <laughs> we came as ourselves
1: yeah but uh no that first house i mean the first house taught me how to be a fireman. I mean, that captain, you know, um, and I sat around guys like Jared back then. He wasn't captain Jared. Sergi, you know, traveling the country and, and spreading a message that we all need back then. He was Jared, right. you know, veteran of the Navy, uh, you know, junior junior fireman, just like me. And we were riding the box together, you know, but I, we grew up together in the fire service and uh, there's a couple other guys, you know, they may not be writing books and they may not be doing podcasts, but you know, I would say they're, uh, they're just as instrumental you know, to the fire service as any of us. us.
0: There's something special about being part of the national conversation, whether it's an article, a podcast, a book, you know, YouTube channel, whatever it is. There's something about that that I think um, is that little bit of extra you can give, you know, like the way I see it is I owe the fire service. It doesn't owe me anything, you know, and if I can write an article or do a podcast, talk to some people that are doing some great things, then I feel like I'm kind of paying, I'll never be able to pay back the fire service, for what it's given me 28 years, but I feel like I need to
1: make that effort. Yeah. Well, and I, and I, I'll be honest, Jake, like, so I didn't know a whole lot about you. We met through Jared Mm -hmm. and uh, I just, I just looked at your points, you know, when I first saw your podcast and I was like, I'm sold, (laughs) you know, and just, I just saw the points. I was like, Oh, pride training, physical fitness. Like that, that hits every nail on the head for me. Then, like you said earlier in the podcast, man, we can just do those three things. If you can build on those, right uh, i mean that's a it's a really good starting point and uh even if you're so- in that rut the, if you're in a rut it's a really good starting point to like ask yourself those questions like what like why don't i have company pride right now why, why am i not may- maybe physically fit and why don't i want to train i right. think those are three questions that uh that i think are great that you're you're kind of forcing people to ask themselves maybe they don't realize it or not but uh yeah being part of the national conversation and just kind of being on the beginning end of this for me man it's been great Right. I'm listening to guys like you and talking to people on Facebook here and there. And I'm like, oh, there are other people that want to make the fire service better. And, uh, you know, it's it's encouraging, you know. It so, is encouraging.
0: It is encouraging. Yeah.
1: No, it's great, man. And uh, if there's other people that want to make it better. And for a while, I mean, I've, I've been talking to Jared about this stuff for years. And he's like, I'm like, look, look dude, I got the same message as everybody else. You know, I'm not going to join the conversation for what? Like, these guys are big time. They're traveling the country. Look at you. And he's like, dude, we're all just trying to make it better. You know, we're, we're all just trying to make it better. But we just want to have a conversation.
0: And again, it's just, it's the easiest thing in the world. It's simply maybe on a Sunday, having a beer with a brother over yep. podcast and talking about the fire service, let people listen and maybe learn a little bit. Did, did you listen to my first podcast with Jared or did know the so story?
1: That- Yep. So I did listen to that one. Absolutely. So,
0: yeah, I, I got to have him back on because all I did was fanboy all over Jared. I was like that uh, Chris Farley character. I was like, you remember right. that chapter you wrote in the book? That was awesome. <laughs> right. I mean, he, it was he's, good. My, he's my unofficial executive producer now because he's always giving me people, you know, to, to interview. Right. You know, yeah. I'm like, great. Or I'll call him up. I'll say just recently, I call, like tomorrow. Um, do you know Tony Carroll,
1: the D.C. battalion chief? Sounds. I can't say that I know. Super
0: great guy. He does uh, uh Mayday Mondays. Super cool dude. Well, I got a hold of uh, Jared. I said, "Hey man, do you know anybody in DC that I can interview?" Because the Capitol riots had, had happened and everything. He goes, "I got you." Two seconds later, I was in a, a chain with Tony Carroll. With, you know, he's, right. he's he's a heavy hitter too. So I got to talk to him, and then you and you know, he, I've got a list somewhere around here where he gives me people I need to interview. So he's. He's my unofficial executive producer, but he's not gonna right. get any money from
1: it. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Well, he don't need any more money. Is you know, he's about to make a New York Times bestseller, I'm sure, someday.
0: Oh yeah. Well, look, but there's uh, there's his book right there. Yeah.
1: No, it's, Here, I'll, uh, I'll show
0: you this. There it is. There's a lot of his nuggets.
1: Oh yeah. I have to close yeah. it. I mean, he's got some, you know, and like thank God for that guy. He is what I would call a gatherer. Mm-hmm. And uh he, that guy's got a gift for bringing people together. And and, and I'll tell you this, which is funny. Really so so he's got a gift. For bringing people together to accomplish a goal, and uh if you look at a lot of books, that's actually the definition of leadership yeah um and that's that's not something that I think he read in a book. I think that is just Jared, and you know we, there's a, are our leaders born are they made um age old conversation I would probably say a little bit of both right. but I, I think Jared is one of those guys sitting next to him, and I'm gonna fanboy him here for a second um he's one of those guys sitting next to him. He was a born leader and it is what it is. And you can't take that away from him and he's done nothing but continue to develop his skills and, uh, you know, just make the fire service better. And I'm only on your podcast right now because Jared pushed me to do this stuff. So kudos. Yeah,
0: he, he, he really is. And, and like yourself, he's sharing, you know, I've always said that, you know, knowledge, not shared isn't knowledge, especially the fire service. It's our responsibility. Uh, and I teach, uh, I have a mentor here uh, in my department, uh, Captain Dave Facer. He's always, he's just one of those guys that always does extra. He, there's not a day he doesn't do extra. And he's, he's always starts off whenever we train outside together, he'll always say to whoever we're training, he'll say, listen, I didn't invent any of this. I just, people before me learned it and they taught it to me and I'm going to teach it to you. And all I ask is that on down the road, you teach it to somebody else because that's our responsibility as an instructor. You know, it's not inventing. I mean, not everybody's going to be an Aaron Fields, you know, or a Mark Van Oppen or anything like that. Sometimes right. your your skill set may lie in just organizing information and applying it to the, the audience you have.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree, with, and that's the thing you got to find. It's your voice, and uh, I think if if it's truly what you're called to do, your voice will find the audience it's supposed to find. You know, it's not about yes, you know, the amount of followers or how many likes you know I, I've been writing for years now and I've written a couple of books and you want everybody to buy your book I mean you want you but I don't write a book to be I'm not writing books to be famous you know yeah. I, I have a career that I love you know and I plan on retiring from this career someday I don't plan on leaving um I write books and I write articles and I start websites to spread a message and mm-hmm. I just want people to catch the message so I'm like if I can get one or two guys to catch the message uh, I really can't complain a whole lot it took me a little bit to learn that lesson but um I mean, that's the truth. You know, if I I have, I have five reviews on Amazon right now, but those five reviews to me are freaking huge, right? you know, and I'm looking at other guys, they got thousands of reviews and I I got five, but to me, (laughs) those five reviews are like, people like it. These five people read something in this book and it helped them. So to me, um, just those five reviews, it's super encouraging, man. I'm like, oh, cool. I helped somebody. And for me, I can honestly say, uh, like I said, it took me a while to learn this lesson, but for me, I can honestly say that was enough. Um, Yes, I'm going to keep pushing the book because I believe in the message. Yes, Yes. I'd like to make some money off it, you know, and uh, pay for my kid's college, you know, whatever, you know, buy a boat maybe someday. But I am excited that people just like it. And they're like, hey, man, I think the greatest thing that I've heard is like, I can relate. Oh, yeah. uh, That's what I want. I just want to be able to relate to other people.
0: It, it, I tell you one thing. I like your writing. It, it It reminds me a lot of Mark Alone from The Fire Inside. He's a he's a really good writer. Uh, I, I think your writing is very good. I like how it flows. There's no um, one of the things I've read your book twice, by the way. I've read it twice now. Um, I, it flows so seamlessly through each chapter. But I'm going to do something I've never done on this podcast. And I hope you indulge me just a little bit. OK, do it. I got to pull something up because I, I didn't memorize it, but I want to read it. It's the beginning of chapter nine. Okay, right. So you start out chapter nine. It says, "Okay, read the following paragraph aloud. So I read it the first time. I didn't read it out loud. And then it got me thinking. So I went back. I think it was a day or two later and I read it out loud. So I'm going to read it right now. It says, I'm complacent. I am a complacent, apathetic firefighter who settles for substandard performance. I don't want to be trained, challenged or motivated to improve my skill set. I'm tired of training and doing the same old drills repeatedly. I just want to coast through my career, watch a few movies, eat some good meals and get off easy. I don't really want to work hard. Wondering if it's going to pay off someday. I mean, what if it doesn't? Some days, uh, some days the fire service is exhausting and I just want to do my time and retire. So I read that and I was just I was blown away because when I read it immediately, I thought about some of my worst times in the fire service and the problems that I created. Then yeah. I worried about what am I doing in the future? OK, right. so that paragraph and I, I got to encourage people, first off, buy the book. But when you get to that part, chapter nine, read it out loud. Don't just read it. Read it out loud because it is a gut check. Because yeah. I, to your point and what we talked about earlier, not everybody is a super firefighter all the time, right. you know. And when I read that out loud, I was like, holy shit, you know. I have done some pretty terrible shit and I've taken money from the city and the fire department by doing nothing oh, that day. Or yeah. I think or we all have. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I love that part. That's really good.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that, man. And like, so I wrote that as more like a, Hey, you know, say this to yourself. Um, but that was me writing about, Hey, I was at each one of these things that I'm writing in this paragraph. You know, I have been complacent. I have been apathetic. I have been the guy, like you said, that I just want to eat a few meals, make, I mean, there were years there where I cooked, I cooked and mm. rode the back of a ladder and didn't do a whole lot. Didn't feel bad about it, mm. you know, and I wasn't helping a whole lot of people in those years either. And, uh, you know, I, I, like I have said, I had some personal challenges outside the department, but man, I still took an oath and, uh, that's hard. Like, don't, I'm not, I'm not telling anybody that's going through personal stuff to like suck it up. Don't bring your feelings to work. That's easy to say. Mm-hmm. this doesn't happen every day um but everything i wrote about in that paragraph i was there at some point in my career you know maybe it wasn't all the same i feel like that like that's a lot for one paragraph right but i wanted to take every uh probably every negative emotion or every negative thing i could have put and just jam it in a paragraph to get let guys see like you said a gut check like now if you're if you're at that level on if you're firing all cylinders in that paragraph <laughs> uh Shoot me a message. You know, <laughs> shoot 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 Jake a message. Like we need we need we need to talk. Like seriously, like like you know if if we're talking and we're being honest, from two guys that have been there and being in a rut, like hey man, if we can pull you out of it, we you know whatever yeah. it looks like, you know we'll try and do it.
0: You know, uh, once I got promoted to the training chief, I had to be involved with the um, hiring, physical agility, and the interviews and stuff like that. And I always thought after sitting through that, if you're in a rut try to get on an interview panel or try to do an agility test because you're seeing hundreds of people that are doing everything in their power to get a job. You might right. have three or 400 people for two positions and you want, and they love, they want that job. They want to be a fireman yep. and you can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their actions. And when you sit on an interview panel, unless they tell you they want to make cash, you're right. it'll hopefully make you feel better and maybe get you out of that rut. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, man, that's true. You know, and, uh, I read some stuff the other day. Like, uh, I think I was on, I don't know what, the new officer, uh, Facebook page. And, uh, man, he was just, there were guys talking about, like, why do you want to get promoted? This stuff, that stuff. And one of the most common reasons was I'm watching the other people that are getting promoted and I don't want to work for them. You know, um, and I was like, well, what, what does that mean? So I'm reading it and it was, Guys that are just meeting these eligibility requirements, mm-hmm. the employees of the fire service, and they're getting these jobs, but they're not getting them to lead. You right. know, they're getting them because they're like, oh, I can secure a position. Yeah. You know, so it's uh, you know, when you see when you see people like that, um, and, and some people, I'm like, is it to? We can go back to hiring. Is is it there? Is it all their fault? I mean, uh, is it all their fault in the sense that they don't know what to expect? You know, we we hired them and we said, hey here's the job. Have fun.
0: Then right. they get
1: to the station. We get to the station. We're like, did anybody tell you what this job entailed that you could die today? Oh, nobody did. Okay. Right. Well, I'm sorry, but this is how it works. Right. And, uh, you know, um, I think that's, uh, yeah. Employees of the fire department. I feel like that could be a freaking book, man.
0: I'm telling you what, you know, uh, I've always had this title of an article in my head and I, I I've tried to write it, but I cannot end it. For some reason, it's just a block, but it's about bumper stickers and T-shirts feel like the city and the fire service owes them everything. They'll they'll right. bust their ass on a fire ground scene, but they won't do anything else. They won't they'll bitch about having to clean shitters. But on their days off, they wear a T-shirt that says fire department and they got bumper oh, stickers God. on their car. So that tells me that somewhere inside of them, they've got some pride. Right. They, they got some concern. But how do you pull that out of them? And that's why I always fall short on that article. You know, how do you how do you? Improve the t-shirt and bumper sticker crowd because they want everybody to know they're firemen. Look at me, I'm, I'm a fireman. Yeah, you know. Right,
1: right, yeah.
0: It's just, you know, our, I think sometimes in the fire service, our success is our is also our failure because the more you go to a fire and do a good job, the more you think you don't need to do any other more than that because I hey, I'm right on all cylinders. I, the fire went out, but they or we pulled the people out, but you know, you got to take that hard look. You even talk about your book. Um, another thing I like, which I'm not willing to do this yet where, you know, you ask a peer for a peer review. Oh yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a tough one there that looking in the mirror and, and also asking a peer review. But um, you know, being able to do that, that that's the tough part. That really is yeah. kind of hard to say, Hey, let me ask you something. You know, how am I doing? Right. You know, and, and, and having somebody say, well, you know you throw up every time you see blood and <laughs> you know, right, right. fire you always find a reason to leave the bu- the building you know well and uh, i like what up. you said
1: about a success uh can be your failure you know yeah, um, basing um, your
0: ses- success on lack of failure
1: yeah so uh man i'm going to tell a real honest story uh here um so talk about successes and failures so yeah you go to fires you 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 do good and uh you're like man i know what i'm doing i know the job um I don't have to train as much as I used to, which, which I will say some of that's true. Like you're training, you know, you train on different things. Um, maybe not as often, but you know, I probably had about 13 years on the job and I got in this habit of, I put all my gear on and I just throw my hood in my pocket or toss my hood up in the truck and uh, I'll just put it on on the way or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, like I've, I've always gotten ready fast. I've never, I've always been ready by the time we get there, not a big deal. Mm -hmm. So I'm the acting Lieutenant on ladder nine that night. And, uh, it's like five in the morning and, uh, porch fire comes in. I'm like porch fire, no big deal. No problem. We're probably going to be down there in two seconds and come back. Now, how many times has dispatch been completely wrong? So Mm -hmm. probably about a a million, Mm -hmm. you know, so porch fire, we show up, the porch is on fire along with eight other apartment units. So, <laughs> so we got a little bit of a problem here. So they and weren't lying. The porch was on so fire. <laughs> the porch was on fire. So uh long story short, you know, the engine company gets there right before we do. He's barking orders. He looks at me, not even over the radio. He's like, uh, there's a kid up there trapped on the second story. Well, I don't have my hood on. Um, and this is embarrassing. I'm telling the story, real honest story. Like I had to take a second. Now seconds count, right? Right. So I had to take a second and put my hood on. That hood should have been on on the floor. I had no reason to not put it on the floor. But I've been to some fires. I'd gotten the job done. I'd always had time to put it on. You know, we get there. It's a porch fire. No big deal. We're going to be outside. And my, I may not even need my hood. And that's literally my mentality. Well, right. I show up. Like I said, no lie. Yes, the porch is on fire, but it's also eight other apartments. Uh, it may have started at four and moved to eight. Um, but now there's a kid trapped upstairs, and I'm messing with my hood. So that's embarrassing. Now right. I will say this: um, you know, I went up there. I got there. I got there. Got the kid out. You know, uh, got the rescue. Got him in the medic unit. He spent about a week in the hospital. They gave me the fire service medal of honor for that, which is which is great. But you know what I thought about the whole time? My flaws um i went back and critiqued it um to no end like man i could have had my hood on i still think about that and i'm telling it now because i want people to know like don't just listen to the dispatch and think hey uh everything's gonna be fine everything's gonna be okay it went from porch fire to kid on the second story trapped his dad can't get to him to me getting separated from my crew to getting lost with this kid in my arms who's coughing and can't breathe and the fire getting worse to the person who was supposed to hold the door open, let the door shut. Now I'm trapped. That person ended up quitting completely and ran out of the building. So now it's me with this kid. I'm two seconds from a Mayday when I randomly find the door and get the kid out. So, God. you know, people are like, hey, man, you got the fire service medal of honor for that. And I'm like, I-, I didn't, you know, it's it's great for my wife and kids to see, you know, I don't I don't do this job for medals. I'd like to retire with a smoked up helmet. That's probably mm-hmm. the only medal I want. But right. I, I, I critiqued myself after that. I should have had my hood on, you know, and I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying I still don't make mistakes these days. I'm not saying I don't listen to this badge and think, oh, OK, you know, uh, whatever. You know, I got a lot, I got a lot of work to do. You know, I got 15 years in here and I got Ooh. at least at least 10 left. But I can think, of, like I said, that kid came to the station, spent a week in the hospital, recovered, came to the station. We took pictures with him. Thank God he lived. Um, you know, thank God everything worked out where I was able to make the rescue, but man, I ate myself alive for that. And, uh, sometimes I still do. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, should I have my hood on? I can, I'm picturing myself right now, sitting in the cab, the acting, uh, captain looking at me and I'm fiddling with my hood. Um, thank God. The seconds didn't matter that day, and I was able to grab him out of there, and, and he lift.
0: Yeah, you know, though, to your credit, though, you're sharing the story. You're, I mean, it probably pains you to even think about it, but you're sharing yeah. it for a lot of people to listen to, and maybe they're not going to make that mistake now. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, it, it, it sucks that it happens, but, I mean, how many people are you going to help now? Hopefully, they're going to listen to this and say, you know, I'm not going to make that mistake. That doesn't have to be me.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That wasn't my plan to share that story. Uh, it wasn't on my list of things to say.
0: <laughs> I'm such an excellent podcaster. I just pulled it out of you. Oh, yeah, man, you pulled it out of me. <laughs> I'm, I I'm will to say you...
1: this. the uh, So I don't know if you caught this, but I was the acting lieutenant on Ladder mm-hmm. Nine that night. I wasn't an officer. Um, you know, I was the acting guy. And uh, I think that's, that's the credit to everybody who's like, oh, you know, it's just a job. I'm an acting guy. I come to work. I'm not in charge. I'm not the officer. I don't really need to be a leader. If you're signed off to act, uh, you are, whether you like it or not, um, you're signed off to act in a position of leadership. Right. So at that point, you kinda, you kinda don't have a choice. Well, you do have a choice. You always have a choice, but you have a responsibility to the men and women around you and the public to learn something about the position or don't act.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: you know, so I was an acting guy. I prided myself on being an acting guy. I knew I wanted to be promoted someday. I felt I was good at it and, uh, you know, small mistakes, but I was an acting guy that night. I was like, what are we going to do? I'm an acting guy. You know, I'm not the officer.
0: Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story on myself. It's, I don't think it's as dramatic, but it reminds me, your story reminded me of this. So I was an acting captain. Uh, on We were on an engine company, first in fire. It was a small house uh, and a little bit of smoke coming out of it. But uh, as soon as I got off the truck, I started to do a 360. Well, when I started doing the 360, the truck captain, who's an actual captain, came up and said, the fire's on the inside, dumbass. So, I, was, and I had a decision to make. Do I keep making my 360 or I just go in? I, I right. just went in. I just went in. I didn't know if there was a basement or, uh, you know, someone hanging out of the back. I didn't do my job because I was shamed into going in, hurrying up and going in. Wow. And uh, that, you know, I think about that from time to time. And when you said, told your story, I thought about mine. I was like, man, you know. We all do that. We all do stuff. But you right. know what? That only happened one time. Right. You know? I hate that it happened one time, but it only happened one time. Yep. And again, we share our stories, we share our flaws. So nobody else has to do it. You know, there's yep. not a perfect firefighter. There just isn't, you know, yeah. there really isn't. It's, you know, but I'm, I'm glad you shared that. Um, you know, it, it goes back to what I said earlier in the podcast about your honesty. One of the things I love about your book is you're honest. You're just like, hey, this, right. is, this is me, sores and all. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. I don't have a perfect career. I don't have a story about a perfect guy who wanted to be a firefighter. His dad was in the fire department. Granddad was in next thing, you know, like he moved up the ranks and man, he's just done a perfect his whole life. My story is a freaking mess, but right. I still love this job. I love this job. I love this profession. I'm a student of leadership. I think it's the backbone of the fire service. Uh, I think if, if your department's not into leadership or not training, you you need to do it yourself. You got, you got to do something,
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. and, uh,
1: yeah, so it's not, you know, I, I wish I had a perfect story, but I don't. And I think the great thing about that is neither do half the people listen to this podcast. And mm-hmm. I think if I would sit here and say that I'm the expert, I've been perfect at it and you need to do what I'm telling you to do. Yeah. I would tell you to turn the podcast off. You know, you can listen to Jake's next podcast, but just tune me out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if, if, that's what, if that's the message I'm bringing or anybody's bringing tune that guy out. Right. Um, Because that's not true. We need like like you said, we need people that can be authentic, real and just say, look, you know, I haven't always done it right. I'm trying to do it right now. And uh, why don't you just take my mistakes and avoid the landmines like we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. instead of stepping on them? I'm showing you where they're at. I mean, I'm literally like, don't step in these 10 places. Right. And you look at me, you call me an idiot, and then you step on five of the 10 places I just told you <laughs> not to step on, and then you come back to me for advice and say, "Hey Lou, what the hell just happened?" And I'm like, "Well, I mean, is this a real conversation now? Cuz we know exactly what happened." Right. So, it's just like students of leadership, man. Like I'm literally I just took inspiration from guys that did it before me, wrote books before me, shared their experiences, impacted my life you know, inside and outside the fire service. And like like you said, the fire service owes me nothing. But I think I owe the fire service a lot at this point. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's taught me a lot of lessons, you know, not a lot of ones I wanted to learn. But you know, I, I grew up in the fire service, whether I like it or not. And uh, I'm, I'm still proud to be part of it.
0: It's the best job there is. Like yeah, I said, I, I, I feel bad for all those fighter pilots and astronauts because they couldn't get on the
1: department. I do too. People are uh, like, well, you work how many days? And I'm like, dude, there's an exam once a year, like yeah. <laughs> at least for Norfolk. Like you could work, like stop complaining. You can, uh, you could work for the fire department. And, uh, yeah. you know, it really is, man. It is the best job in the entire world. I I can't, I can't complain.
0: I fell back backwards in, in into the fire service 28 years ago. Uncle Sam, I joined the air force. I know you're in the army, but I was a true warrior. I was in the air force.
1: Right. So I'm gonna let uh, that go. It- <laughs>
0: but I was a fireman. He made me a fireman. Uncle Sam said, Hey, you're going to be a fireman. And it it just, it didn't take but one live fire for me to realize is the only thing I want to do. And then years, as years went by, I realized just how how blessed and lucky I am to have this job. Yeah. So
1: I can honestly say I'm, you know, going on 16 years and um, I may not say it out loud every day, but I'm like, man, I hope we get one today. You yeah, know, and I don't, you know, it's not that I hope we get one because I want somebody's house to burn down. You know, if you're listening to this and you're not a fireman, that's not what we do.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: <laughs> you know but uh, we're also not showing up to roast marshmallows. We're showing up to do a job that we were trained to do. And you want to do it. I mean, athletes trained to play the game. Yes. You know, we, tra- we trained for our craft. So when it gets here, you know, we're excited about having the opportunity to do it. So when I say, man, I hope something burns down today. I don't hope somebody's house burns down. I just hope that I'm the one that gets to go in case it does.
0: Exactly. I've had a couple of people on here that say that and and they always have that, that disclaimer. I don't mean I want you to lose all your shit. I'm just saying. Right. The truth right. of it is we want to help people. And if something's right. going to happen, we want to be the ones there to help.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, fire is destructive. I mean, it is destructive. I've watched it destroy people's lives and I'm sure you have too. You know, anybody mm-hmm. that's been to... A structure fire and it's really done some damage you know you see families displaced and you know their belongings you know completely destroyed you know some of these families have lived in these homes in norfolk you know norfolk's an old city you got families that have lived generations and generations in these homes you All know right. so it, it it is traumatic you know when you got a house that's been there for you know over 100 years and you know a generation or, or families lived in this house and now it's completely destroyed You know, and, uh, you know, we don't really you don't stick around too long afterwards. You kind of clean up and you go back to the station, Um, you know, but it it is tragic, you know. So it's yeah. So when you think about like, man, these guys want to go to fires. Absolutely. one hundred ten percent want to go to fires because we're coming there to do what we're trained to do and make sure that you have the best possible outcome when we show up.
0: Yes, Uh, absolutely. So, brother, I'm going to wrap this up, but I want to do something before I go. Uh, I, in my research about you, uh, yeah. I was astounded at all the stuff you do, not just fire service. Right. So I would love for you to tell my audience exactly what else you do and how they can find you.
1: Man. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, like Jake said, I do a lot. I've been writing for a couple of years. Uh, I maintain my own personal website at joshchase.org. Uh, I write a lot about, like I said, you can't really separate the family your family and fire service and personal life. So I write a lot about my personal life, personal challenges, uh, faith, family, and the fire service. Those are probably the main two things that I write about. Military career. So JoshChase.org, you can follow me for all that stuff. Um, Wrote another book called Take the Lead. It's kind of, I wrote it about three years ago. Talks about my military career, a little bit about the fire service. And um, so JoshChase.org is really my landing page for everything that I do. And then, um, yeah, this year I started jump seat leadership and the Facebook page wrote the book. So you can't really merge the two, the fire department's its own culture, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but yeah, no, I do a lot. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a man of faith and, uh, I, b- I believe in family and, uh, faith family and the fire service. Those are two probably big priorities for me. And, uh, so I really write about all of it, but, uh, jump seat leadership is straight up fire service leadership. You're not going to get anything else you're going to get. Funny me, you're going to get serious me. I'll probably offend you a few times, especially, uh, you know, <laughs> if you're hanging around guys like me and Jake and Jared, you're going to get offended, but that's okay. It'll just it'll toughen you <laughs> up a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's it, man. You know, uh, what else can I throw in here? Uh, I got to throw in a plug. I do jujitsu and I freaking love it. So if you oh, cool. are battling anything mentally in the fire service, I know there's a bunch of guys out there. PTSD is a big thing these days. I dealt with it in the military. I'm uh, still deal with it. I'm, I'm diagnosed with PTSD from the military. So I'll just throw that out there for you guys that are struggling with it. No shame in saying that uh, you got an issue. So get some help. Yeah, and absolutely. I will say that uh jujitsu has been a lifesaver for me and I freaking love it. So you talk about a great hobby to have, man, it's, it's a great hobby to have when you're off uh, 20 days a month, but uh, right. that's me in a nutshell, man, Josh chase.org. You can check me out and then uh jump seat leadership on Facebook.
0: I can't recommend that book enough, brother. I appreciate your time and I look forward to having you back on when you write your next book. Absolutely. Josh was a great guest. It's obvious how much he cares about the fire service. Now check out his book on Amazon and get a copy. You will not be disappointed. Check him out at jump seat leadership on Facebook. He's recently started a video series and so far they're all really good. Hey, thanks for listening to three point firefighter. Stay safe, have fun. I mean, after all, this is the best job in the world.